You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Since our initial launch, Kara and I have made it a point to actively seek out stories from various walks of life in our industry throughout our episodes to make sure to have representation of all types. That said, just as we made a conscious decision to celebrate Pride Month and International Women's Month last year, we are focusing our full-length episodes solely on the stories of Black women, honoring and amplifying their voices in celebration of Black History Month. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Mama's Talking Loud. I'm Jessica Rush. And I'm Kara Cooper. Today's guest joins us just five weeks after giving birth. You guys, you can even hear the little newborn squeaks because she's wearing her baby during the recording. It's the cutest. It's so sweet. She shares her amazing home birth story with us, amplifying the positive experience she had to affirm BIPOC women everywhere who dream of becoming a mother. She is using her voice, her experience, and her platform to share and fight the devastating inequities in maternal care in this country for women of color, all while navigating becoming a mother herself. Here's our conversation with Corey Pettinod. Well, good morning, Corey. Oh my gosh. Good morning. Corey and little tiny baby she's wearing. Oh my God, y'all. I wish you could see Corey because she's wearing her sweet baby boy right now. And (laughs) we can even hear him like snoring while we're listening. Oh my gosh. You are such a new mom. Let's hope he doesn't wake up. That's such a new mom. (laughs) How are you? How are you feeling? Oh my gosh. I mean, it is such a roller coaster. It's literally the wildest thing you you both know. I mean, it's just like one day you're just looking at him and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm a baby. And the next day you're like, please go to sleep. I can't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just tears for a, a gamut of reasons. <laughs> oh my God. For everybody listening, is he five weeks old? Is that correct? Yes. He's five okay. weeks old. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is le- we're in legit newborn phase. First of all, so uh, super impressed that you're even here making this happen. So, thank you for that. I think when my <laughs> babies were five months me. old, I was like, nope, not can't even do five anything. months. You just said five <laughs> I mean, months. Oh my God, five, five months. Weeks. I mean, five weeks, not even. <laughs> <laughs> well, that tells you where my head's at. <laughs> Look, no, it's like, and I said this to Corey when I reached out to her, I was like, my husband, Eric, calls that like the, the first three months are like being in outer space, right? Because you're just like, it's such a new place for you and time has mm-hmm. no meaning. I mean, pandemic time has no meaning too. But like, you know, <laughs> like you said, the sleeping and the awake and all of it and and all the rest of it. That it's comes just with one it. long thing. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Will you tell us about, to- sorry, I was just going to say, will you tell us about your baby boy? Absolutely. So his name's Carver Elijah Petinod. 
Um, and he was named after George Washington Carver. My husband and I, like, it was crazy because we had nicknamed him Peanut because um, we didn't find out the sex before he was born. And we nicknamed him Peanut before we'd even thought about names or even talked about them. And then um, when we decided on the name Carver, it just ended up being such a serendipitous um, moment because George Washington Carver is known particularly for his um, inventions around the peanut. And I just thought it was so amazing that it ended up being that he was a boy and we could go with that name. Um, but yeah, so he's five weeks old. Um, he was born at home on December 29th of 2020. So like closed out the 2020 with new baby. Um, and yeah, uh, he's, he's awesome and like challenging and all the things. <laughs> Absolutely. I love that yes. he, he he closed out, you closed out 2020 with new life, kind of moving yeah. forward into 2021. What a like kind of beautiful gift that is. Do you feel at all comfortable? Because we've, we've had, we've had one other guest on the show who had a home birth, but she didn't really go into detail about it. Would that be mm-hmm. something you'd be comfortable sharing kind of your, Absolutely. your birth story and maybe your choice t- to do that? Absolutely. Yeah, I would love to. Um, I feel, first of all, I think it should be said really fortunate that um, I was able to make that choice because I know that it is, um, there's a lot around the choice and not everybody can do it for a multitude of reasons. So I'm, I feel really fortunate that it worked out for me to be able to do it. Um, the The main reason why I did it, a lot of people ask like, were you doing that because you, because of the pandemic and you didn't want to go to the hospital? And I feel like that was a part of it, but it was a pretty minuscule part, to be honest. Um, I feel that even if we weren't in the midst of a global pandemic, I probably would have wanted to make that choice anyway. Um, and the main reason being um, specifically because of the Black maternal death rate. And that was like a huge thing for me, even before I was pregnant. It was something that I was like, very fascinated by. And for a while I was training a lot of pregnant women. Um, I was teaching fitness and training a lot of pregnant women. And it was just something that I started to delve a lot more into to learn a lot about it. And in New York specifically, it's horrendous. Um, And so I had that very much on the front of my brain when I was thinking about how I wanted to give birth. And the pandemic also really kind of shifted things because not only is the Black maternal death rate super high in a normal circumstance, but then you add on a pandemic, which is like, you know, disproportionately affecting black people more anyway. And you put that on top of everything else. And it was just like, I can't, I don't want to do that. Um, And I really wanted to be in charge of the little bit that I could have control over, which really was my team around me. And being in the hospital, you don't really get the luxury of confirming and knowing for sure that you're going to have the same people around you. Like even if you love your doctor, your doctor might not be on call and all of that. And so I really wanted to have the people that I had been working with for months and knowing that they were going to be with me on the day. Um, And so I had an amazing midwife an amazing doula um, that I was able to, to hire. And I hired my doula actually when I was, I think about four months pregnant. So pretty early on. Um, And then my midwife, Um, I hired her around like five or six months pregnant. So I was able to build a really awesome relationship with them over the course of the year. They all came and wore masks to my house. I did all my appointments, my prenatal appointments at my house. Um, And I was able to sort of keep a little record of all of those things, like hearing his heartbeat at home on the couch and all that. And it was a really cool experience to be able to have that in the comfort of my home. Well, um, and, sorry, and, I just to, I wanted yeah, to no, say, go ahead. because of that, your husband was able to be there, right? Because yeah. so many, we've yeah. talked to a few moms who have been pregnant and given birth to, oh, he's moving. <laughs> he's <laughs> moving. <laughs> Those little newborn sounds. Um, we, we've talked to a few who, because they were going through this new phase and this journey during the pandemic, they had to go and they were without their partners at the appointments. Mm-hmm. And so this decision that you made early on, I mean, who even knew what was going to be happening by the time you gave birth, you know, but to have made that decision totally. early on and then be able to have your partner and your husband there with you. Um, how, how special to have those memories at, at home. Totally. You know? Totally. It was really nice. And like <clears throat> in the very beginning 
I found out I was pregnant like the end of April. So like the, the peak of the pandemic basically where New York city was a ghost town. And I was still seeing my OB at that particular point. I hadn't made a decision about um, birthing yet. And my husband and I were actually like riding our bikes into the city for all of my appointments at that point because I was too afraid to get on the subway and my doctor's in Columbus circle and I live in Brooklyn. So it was like wow. a very long <laughs> ride. Um, yes, for those I of you was, who don't live in New York city, that is a very <laughs> long ride. That is. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I had to do what I had to do to, to get it. And it actually was really amazing for my husband and I in that point, cause he couldn't come up at that point, but we were able to ride together and it felt like a bonding moment of like, we're riding to the city to see our baby and like having those moments were really special and, and in a unique way and not in the same way that it would have been in 2019, obviously. But um, it was really great to be able to share everything at home and, and have that comfort of feeling like he could be a part of things. And um, especially with the birth, I, because like you said, I didn't know how the world was going to be around my due date. I was due January 3rd. And over the summer, things started feeling like, oh, like they're opening things up and it feels good. But like they were talking about this like impending doom in the winter time of it coming back. And I was like, well, I just don't want to deal with the uncertainty of what the hospital system is going to be like in the winter. So I'd just rather be home, you know? We're, Bless you. You just sort of, <laughs> thank you. I don't, um, you, um, you just said this, that you were only, um, April was the beginning of your pregnancy. So were you pregnant? This it might be, I'm just curious because y'all, Corey is in the original company of Moulin Rouge. That is, we didn't even talk about that. We jumped right in, but you were in the original company of Moulin Rouge and doing the can-can. And I have to say, I saw on your Instagram when you celebrated a hundred shows of Moulin Rouge, it said twenty seven hundred kicks. Twenty seven hundred kicks. So you kick in that can can. I mean, hundreds. I mean, clearly, you know, yeah. dozens of times a show. Um, were you pregnant? Now looking back, were you pregnant then, or or did this no. happen after the fact? Mm. It, it happened after the fact. So I was, I was trying to get pregnant. We were trying to get pregnant since the fall of 2019, actually. Um, and I think it's so ironic because I was like doing all the things like at the theater with my ovulation sticks and like doing the whole thing. And I was like, I really, really, we really wanted to get pregnant. And then literally the second I stopped doing the show, I got pregnant, which right. was just so crazy, but well, made sense because I was doing so, so much. Oh my yeah. God. That show, the dancing is extraordinary. I mean, it's epic. It mm -hmm. is so athletic. It is like, you know, I said to Kara, I don't, I don't want that gig. <laughs> I know. I was like, I'm too like, old for that gig. That, that is not. When I, when I saw it, I felt the same way. I was like, hmm, maybe 10 years ago, I'd have been like, that's the jam, but not anymore. Not anymore. You're younger than you. us. It's like, I you're younger you. than us. It's like, we are not, we're not doing that anymore, honey. But, um, but how interesting that your body, like once you stopped putting it through that rigor, it's like, okay, I'm ready to do this now. Yeah. You know? Now we can do this. Yeah. Yeah. It was wild. Interesting. Um, Go ahead, Jess. What, what were you going to say? No, I, I, do you feel comfortable t because you did, you know, moving we understand your choices for a home birth, which make perfect mm -hmm. sense. And we want to delve more into the inequalities of maternal care in our country. Um, mm -hmm. But can, would you be okay sharing the actual birth and how that all Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, both totally, Jessica and I totally. did not birth at home. I ended up with two emergency C-sections. I mean, so we have such varying um, perspectives. So I'm so curious. Totally. Yeah, yeah. So I actually, on the 28th, um, my husband and I, well, I, I have to say this first because my husband will kill me if I don't say this. He wants everybody to know that he predicted months ago that the baby was going to be born on the 29th. So I have to make sure everyone knows. <laughs> he was like, I have, he's like, I have a spiritual connection with my baby and I know when he's going to be born. I was like, okay, great. Whatever. Well, and, um, and he so, was right, honey. But then he was right. <laughs> 
that he was right. Um, so on the 28th, um, the night before, I uh, my husband has been working from home this whole pandemic. And that Monday was actually the first Monday that he had a lot of free time, strangely. So he had a lot of calls in the beginning of the day. And then towards the end, he was like, you know, let's like go get some food. And it was an unusually warmer day. It was like 55 degrees. And so we were like, okay, it's doable to, to eat outside. So we walked, we took a long walk, like a mile and a half to our favorite Mexican restaurant in Brooklyn. And as we were walking, I remembered my doula had been telling me to take this red leaf raspberry tea or whatever. And I just, all of that with the dates and all the different things, I was like, I don't know. Like, I just feel like I want the baby to come when the baby comes. But for some reason, we were walking by this like Jamaican herb store. And I was like, you know what, let me just get the tea. So we got the the red leaf um, tea on the way to Mexican food. And then we had our food and we were talking about like, oh my gosh, our lives are about to change. It was like such a wild day thinking about it now. But in the in the moment, it just felt like we were just talking about being excited about the baby. And so I got back home, we got back home and I drank the tea and I was like, it was probably around eight o'clock and I was just sort of chilling and I got really tired and I was like, I'm going to go to bed. So I laid down and the baby was like starting to get super active around like nine o'clock. And I was like, huh, this is interesting. So I decided to take a video of the, of my belly because the baby was like jumping all around and stuff. And I was like, I wonder what's going on. And a couple days prior, my dog had been acting weird and stuff. So I knew like something was happening, but I just didn't think it was going to happen in that moment. And then I had my first contraction at 1121. And I know this because it was, I happened to just wake up out of my sleep and I looked at the clock and I saw it and I was like, this is different. <laughs> this isn't the same as what I'd been feeling. And I was like, oh boy. And then they were happening like pretty irregularly, but like to the point where I couldn't stay in the bed. Like I had to keep getting up out of the bed during a contraction. Um, and I was like, oh crap, I think this is happening. Like I'm, I'm in labor. And so my husband messaged our doula and he was like, so she's starting to have contractions. Like, what do I do? And he um, started doing the timing and stuff. And she told me to try to rest. I was like, well, I can't rest. I tried to lay down and... <laughs> No, <laughs> you guys know it's like there's no sleeping at that point. Um, so I tried to, I was trying to, but every you know six or so minutes, I was getting up out of the bed and um, kind of like hunkering down. And so I pretty much intently was in labor through till the next day. I didn't sleep at all, um, and things were getting very intense by the morning. So like around like five or six in the morning on the 29th, like I was fully in it. Um, but because I was at home, I didn't really have any concept of like how many centimeters dilated or any of that sort of stuff that sometimes they may check when you're in the hospital. So I just was kind of trying to ride the wave. And I had all of these affirmations on my wall that, um, a lot of my girlfriends had made for me, uh, during my baby shower over the summer. And so I was trying to use the affirmations and hypnobirthing and all of that. And like the more intense it got, the more out of the window, all of those things went. <laughs> because best, the best intentions. We have the best intentions exactly. of doing all those things, but in and, the moment. And thank yeah. you for that honesty too. You know, like, yeah, like, I'm like, I, I can't I tried. do this. <laughs> yeah. I tried to like, I am powerful. I'm strong. I'm like, I don't know if I'm powerful and strong. I can barely make it through this moment. Um, um, so yeah, so we were like, you know, just doing it. My husband was is messaging with the doula the whole time. And I just remember because, you know, time is not even a thing in the middle of labor, but I just remembered having these moments of feeling like I didn't expect that my husband and I were going to be alone for so long. Um, because I was looking for those markers in, in a home birth, the markers are really when the different people arrive at your home. Um, so the doula typically arrives first and stays with you for the longest portion of your labor, typically once you're in active labor. And then the midwife kind of comes in at the end, like sort of like at the hospital when the doctor comes in, like right before you're ready to, to push or whatever. So I knew that like those were my kind of like, if I can get to this point, then and then if I get to this next point, then great. Um, and so my husband and I were really alone. My doula didn't arrive until 4.30 on the 29th. So, you know, I'd been laboring since 11.21 the night before. So we had been together and alone for that whole entire time. And I was really, really reliant upon him to 
helped me get through the labor. Um, and he was amazing. He's my husband is like a researcher and a reader. So he was like reading all the books and doing all the things. And my doula had really given us a lot of exercise. He was doing like the hip squeezing with me and like all these different things. So he was, he was doing really well, but I know he was tired. I know it was a lot. So by the time my doula got there, I think it was a good relief for him. Um, and when she got there, I was in my bathtub. I was chilling. I had the lights off. I had candles. Uh, I had some a birthing playlist playing and I just was like trying to chill out. And she told me while I was in the tub that my um, my baby was on the right side or yeah, on the right side and she wanted to get him to the left. And so she was like, let's get out of the tub. Let's do some spinning babies exercises, which if you don't know what that is, it's kind of like another technique of naturally getting the babies to like move. Um, and so I was like, okay. And I got out of the tub and she tried to get me to do this crazy position. And she was like, you should stay in here for two contractions if you can. And I was on my bed, mind you. And I tried to do it for one and I lit and I threw up because I was like, this is too, <laughs> this is too hard. And it was really, really like, I guess at that moment, thinking back, I was transitioning into like the intense part of labor. Um, and meanwhile, my husband, bless his heart, is trying to fill up the birthing pool. I was going to ask, when did the pool it. get filled? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and this was, this was actually a drama part of the home birthing moment because the birthing pool is huge. It's like a big kiddie pool and it was pumped up and we had, we'd never gotten to do a trial run with it because my midwife had actually come the night before, the day before um, or on that Sunday, and we had kind of talked through things, but we weren't necessarily anticipating it happening so soon. So we didn't get to test out the water pump, which is like this thing you attach to the faucet so it can go quickly into the pool. So of course, it wasn't working. It didn't work for our faucet. So bless my heart, my husband's heart. He literally is like pulling the extender of the of the sink thing into the pool and like slowly filling it. Like it took him oh like two hours to fill up the pool. Oh <laughs> he just was like standing <laughs> over the pool with the extender of the sink <sighs> and just trying to fill it up. And I just was like, I mean, I couldn't really focus on it, but I just was like, this is going to take forever. <laughs> oh, um, but thankfully, you know, we had time. So he was doing that and, you know, I was going through my thing. And then finally, when he, when he finally finished, um, I was able to get in there and it was a huge relief to get in there. And once I got in there, um, they turned off all the lights in the apartment and my husband turned on some, some birthing affirmations. And like, that's when things kind of got super, um, ethereal. Like I feel like it was animalistic at that point. And I just was, I hit another level of, um, like this spiritual experience, honestly, because I just, I felt like I had to step outside myself. And one of the things that I really remember in that moment is that I kept re repeating to myself to surrender and release, which was my mantra really throughout 2020, because it was such a crazy year. And I felt ironic thinking back on it, like how much I felt like I needed to hold on to that mantra in giving birth to my son, because at that point it just was either I'm going to surrender to these sensations or I'm going to be in this a lot longer than I want to be. And I'd already been in it for 20 something hours at that point. Um, and so, yeah, I was, I was in the pool for a while. My midwife finally got there and I remembered that being like, a, Oh, I must be close moment because <laughs> she's here and when she finally got there she put the um, fetal heart rate on and she said everything was good with him and she's like if you don't mind I'm going to check your cervix one time this is going to be the only time I'm going to check it and she checked it and I was 10 plus 2 so the baby's head was like literally right there and she was not even expecting that. And so she was like, oh crap. And she like ran downstairs <laughs> to get her bags and everything. Like, I think it was, oh no, like this baby's coming right now. Um, and so she got back up and it was kind of like a hustle around the room and she put out the clock, the timer to like see exactly when he was going to be born and all that. And I remembered like seeing these little things and being like, oh my God, he, he must be close. Um, and then she was like, if you're feeling the urgent, at any point you can totally bear down it's totally fine and my husband is like sitting next to the pool and he's like massaging my shoulders and stuff and 
I was like, bear down. What does that mean? I don't know how to do that. Like I'm freaking out. And I was like, all of a sudden just got this panic of like, I know the baby's coming really soon now. And like, this is the moment, this is the moment they talk about in the classes and the things. And I feel like I don't know what I'm doing now all of a sudden. Um, and she was like, you know what you're doing? Just relax. You've got this. And so I did like two horrible pushes in the beginning. Cause I just was like trying to figure it out. And then I finally was getting the hang of it. But by this point, you know, I was exhausted. It was, I was pushing 23 hours and I just was like, I'm so tired. And so my doula had us switch positions and my husband and I got into this kind of like tug of war thing where we were holding a scarf and I was pulling on one end and he was pulling on the other. And it was helping to give me the resistance during a contraction to like really bear down. Um, so I was on my knees and I was doing it and him and I were doing it together at that point. And my my exhaustion was like really kicking in. And then my midwife was like, Corey, just reach down. Your baby's right there. And I felt his head. And then I was like, oh! like <laughs> I can feel it. It's so close. I'm like, I'm going to do this now. And then like, I, you know, I pushed and pushed and I got to that like ring of fire moment. And I knew in my, you know, non labor brain that this is the point where I should slow down. And I just was like, I can't, it's, this is too intense for me. I can't slow down. And I push, push, push. And I got him out literally in like 15 minutes I reached down and my midwife was like grab your baby he's right there they're they're right there and I reached down and grabbed and I pulled up and I was like oh my god and I was crying and I had a full moment my husband like dropped to his knees and I looked and I was like oh my gosh you're a boy you're a boy and it was just like literally the most beautiful experience ever to like have him finally be here and just holding him in my arms and feeling his little heartbeat. I mean, he just literally slid right into my my arms. It was so crazy. Um, and my doula actually got a really beautiful video of that moment. And she sent it to me like three days later. And I just sobbed because I didn't even really, I couldn't have, if someone told me that I'd actually done that, I would have never believed it except for watching it back and seeing it in real time. Um, and it was beautiful. And then at that point, like after he was born, I went, I got on my couch, they brought me to my couch and I laid down and him and I, and Wayne, my husband got to have our golden hour, which is like the hour where they just leave you alone. And, um, my husband got to sort of like sit by and he was feeding me pizza while the baby was like crawling to my breasts, um, to find my breasts. And he did it all naturally. And, um, yeah, he just was laying on my chest on my couch and we sort of did like all of the slow kind of cleaning up. My my midwife's birthing assistant came and she like cleaned up the pool and cleaned up everything. And um, after that hour, um, they were able to sort of check the vitals of the baby and make sure that everything was good with him. I got to take a shower and they set me up in my bed and we took his stats and his measurements and everything. And they stayed for about like, three and a half hours after he was born between cleaning up and like checking on me. And I had to get a couple of stitches and all that sort of stuff. And then after that three and a half hours, they left and we were like in our bed and the baby was there. And it just was like such a weird thing of there's no transition from like, well, now we're parents. It's like, we're, we're parents, like we're at home and now the baby's here and we're by ourselves, <laughs> you know? Wow. So it was such a wild, like, a wild ride, but really beautiful to be able to like go to sleep in my own bed that night. And I mean, I didn't sleep, let's be real. I just was staring at him that whole <laughs> that whole night. I was FaceTiming people. People were like, did you just have a baby? Like, seriously, I was literally, I felt like I had done drugs. I was just like, I just want to tell everyone that we've had this baby and I'm home. And oh my gosh, it was so crazy. So crazy. I, I've, I feel some after both my babies, I felt very similar to that. I was like in this like, and clearly I did not go through the experience you did, but I was in this like weird euphoria, like oh my god, this is the most amazing thing that's ever happened to me. Um, the thing that struck me when you were speaking is like, if you have a hospital birth, you do you go you leave your home, you go away, you have this experience, and then you bring this child back to your home with you. So you like leave your house, your space. And you return to it different. But you went through this like entire transition within your own space. Like I can't mm -hmm. get over what that must have felt like. Uh, not to mention all the rest of it. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm just yeah. blown away by what you did. So you're a warrior mom. 
incredible. Yeah. I am. I was in tears over here, like listening to you talk about it. It was moving me. I was so emotional just thinking And my, and like Kara said, we've all had, Hey Carver, he's talking, he's like, <laughs> talking about me. Um, yeah. He's but, like, this is my birth story. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I do, I, I think for me, it was thinking about, yes, what Kara just said, but also like I was, I had a hospital, it was vaginal birth, but it was in a hospital. And so Mm -hmm. there was, you know, they took Elliot away and they took her and the first night they would bring her in to nurse or whatever, but I was able to rest and get some sleep. And there was also this transitional period. Um, It was just a little Mm -hmm. more finite, you know, with with regard to like, and now there's a baby, but you're still going to ease into it. Whereas by the time I took her home, you know, I'd been a mom for like a day and a half. So it felt like maybe a little more like I had a grip on what was happening, but before we were completely alone without a safety net. Yeah. That's totally. It's just like, you were just three hours later, they left and now you had a baby where the day before there was no baby. Like (laughs) it was literally insane. Just looking at him. I just was like, I can't believe that we're like, what do we do now? Yeah. Like, we have a baby here. <laughs> but we're at home and, like, we're just, like, it's, we've just had this huge life-changing moment. But, like, also at the same time, nothing has changed because we're in the exact same environment that we've been in really for the past nine months, however long it's been that we've been in the pandemic and being at home. It's just, like, I've just done this other thing that's life-changing in the exact same space that I just live in. It's, it was crazy. It was crazy. I mean... That is, that's amazing. It's, I mean, it's I crazy for me and, to think. And you about. know what else is going to be crazy is when you go back to Moulin Rouge, and you put on those <laughs> oh same costumes. Like that was weird for me. Like Kara and I both. I'm had sure our children while we were at Jersey Boys and going back, and then you're wearing the same costumes you were wearing before, but you're a completely different person. Like you're doing the same. Oh moves. my gosh! You're wearing the same things. You're in your dressing Even room. The- the words coming out of your mouth, like that was a big awakening for me, like saying words about uh, my character was was a mom. So I was talking about my mm-hmm. child. So I played that wow. part prior to actually being a mom. And then I played it after Crazy. I actually was. And so it just changes everything. And But then you return to this part of your life that existed prior. And I think that's probably where you were leading with this, <laughs> Jessica, because you were talking about Carver. You were, it was his birth story, but a birth story is the birth of a mom too. And you're super open about this um, um, on your Instagram. Jessica did some research and shared it with me. Um, But about this kind of death of our former self and birth of this Mm -hmm. new person. Um, Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit more about that? I mean, it's something that Jessica and I talk about to each other all the time. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you will never be, I always say like, you will never move through the world as carefree again. Like you are a completely changed person. The, The woman that you were before the birth of your child is gone and you do have to mourn. Yeah the loss of that person. Cause I think we think on some, some degree, like you said this on your Instagram, like the, the old you was like, just sort of waiting, right? Like she was like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be here. And when, then when it's over, when the baby comes, then we'll get back to being who we were, but you'll Mm -hmm. never be that person. Yeah. Yeah. And no matter how many times people tell you, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just like, And you know that in theory, right? Because you know that being a mom requires so much of you, but to actually go through it, it just, it was, it's been, because I'm still very much in the midst of it. I mean, I had a breakdown last night. Um, (laughs) I, it, it, it's such a crazy feeling to, to hear that from other people, right? Like I've heard that time and time again from my friends who are moms. I have so many friends who are in different stages of motherhood. And they all say like, it's going to be different. It's going to be different. But there's something about like, even looking at myself in the mirror, the way that I feel, all of those things, like Broadway requires so much of you, right? Like we give so much of ourselves to, to our art. And I have always been somebody who has been super laser focused on my career for a very, very long time. And that required a lot of energy and a lot of things that were surrounding what I wanted, right? Even missing family events and all those things. And so like to now imagine my life in a way where it cannot be that anymore. And now it has to be some semblance of trying to merge those things together and find some kind of world where 
you know, obviously my son is going to take priority. And like, what does that even look like? Because I've never really had anything else take priority other than myself (laughs) and what I wanted to do in my life. And my husband and I have been able to gallivant all over the world. And like, we've been, we've been married for 10 years. And so we really established a routine of selfishness of him and I, and what we wanted to do and where we wanted to go and all of those things. And that in an instant, as soon as he came into the world, that can no longer exist anymore. And it feels like, you know, like you said, Jessica, it's, it is a morning. It's, it's, it is sad. There's a, a part of it that's like, wow, I, that person that I've been for so long is, is no more. But then there's also this element of expanding into whoever this new version of myself is going to be. And that's exciting and scary because I don't know her right now, you know, and she's very new. She's only five weeks old. So (laughs) I'm like, I'm trying to figure her out and figure out what she's doing. And it is a roller coaster every day, you know, just trying to get to know myself again in this new role. That's yeah. It's so eloquently put Corey, like the way you're, you're speaking of, getting to know this new version of yourself, this new person, mm-hmm. you know, um, mm-hmm. I, th- there's so much attention paid to a newborn when they come into the world and there's not that much attention paid to the mom and this yeah. new person they've become, you know, and I think yeah. there's a shift in that conversation happening right now, but the more totally. we can vocalize it and talk about it, the better off future mothers will be. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, because it's yeah, so because true. it just think, hits you like a brick wall. Exactly, like a brick wall, and all of a sudden you mm-hmm. are, and then you have to come to terms with that while also learning how mm-hmm. to be a mother and to take care of the small mm-hmm. child and you know keep them alive. Um, just yeah, just it's just a little thing. It's not you know just a small not, thing. No, no pressure. <laughs> the good news is the the good news is in this moment at least is that, I mean, I'm sad that we don't have our Broadway and our shows but it's affording you a a little more time, you know? I mean, not to say Mm -hmm. that, you know, I don't know how soon you would have gone back if you had been in the middle of your show, but, you know, being able to take your time and not feel rushed and not feel like you're missing out on those things because there is still that part of you as an actor, as a dancer, as a performer that wants the hustle, right? To a certain degree, you're like, what am I missing? What am I missing out on? And so the fact Mm -hmm. that, we are in this situation. Um, it, it's allowing you to take your time and really get to know Carver. Yeah. Yeah. And for you and yeah. Wayne, I mean, I just yeah. remember like that first time when that first week or so, it was just the three of us and it was such a magical time before Eric mm-hmm. was starting rehearsals for last ship. So then he had to go and he was gone all day and actually mm-hmm. Karen came over and sat with me the very first day that Aww. he went to work. <laughs> Um, yeah, because I was just like, I don't know what to do. So the fact that what do I do? Yeah, yeah. The fact that he's working from home and the three of you can be together in this time, um, that's that's a bit of a gift, even yeah. with all the yeah the rest of it. We're gonna take a quick break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. You did start to address this earlier on, which is the maternal mortality rates with regard to the United States and women of color and how disproportionately mm-hmm. they are affected. And I, you mentioned New York City in particular, and I found this last night because I, I, I've known this was a... Th- 
I knew this was a thing, but it's not something that's on the forefront, right? People aren't really talking about it, even with regard, Mm -hmm. not just about women of color, but just the maternal mortality rate in general, because we Mm -hmm. are, the United States has higher rates of maternal deaths than 45 other countries. Like we're the only developed country with a consistently rising maternal mortality rate. And that makes no sense. That's insane. But on average in New York City, this blew my mind. In New York City, on average, black women are 12 times as likely to die from pregnancy-related complications than white women. In New York City, in like the, you know, quote, greatest city in the world, in the city with Mm -hmm. the most fantastic doctors and medical facilities and where people go, you know, people focus on going to New York City. It's one of the cities where they want to go to get their fabulous healthcare. And unfortunately, black women specifically, it is not, it is not the place. You know, I think when I read that, um, I, I was drawn to this because you have the link to the open letter from Every Mother Counts on your bio and Instagram. And um, Every Mother Counts was, you know, it's an organization started by Christy Turlington Burns, actually, um, supermodel Christy Turlington Burns, but it's created to raise awareness and educate the public, you know, about this issue. And so you said it was already something that you had sort of been aware of with regard to the women mm-hmm. that you've been training. Can you tell us just sort of mm-hmm. your journey with that and and what is driving? I mean, I think we all feel like every mother should have equitable, there should be equitable health care and respectful care and that it, it should be a human right to have that. But um, can you speak to us about in this time of sort of the reckoning with systemic racism and with the change that we're all going through, how important this is to you? Yeah, I mean, it's huge. I mean, like you said, specifically in New York City, I just was appalled by that statistic um, because you, it, it's just, it's something that it, it just literally blows my mind. I can't even like find the right words because it, when I think about it, it makes me emotional um, because, <clears throat> and I've had, you know, friends and my cousin actually had a horrible experience giving birth to her son here in New York. And so there was, I I had information that was very close to me in terms of people actually experiencing not being listened to in the hospital and not necessarily for maternal reasons either, like having family members that are in the hospital for other situations where they aren't being listened to. Um, And I personally have had circumstances. It goes across all. I mean, it, this we're specifically speaking to that, but it definitely does go yeah. all. all. All different issues that would land you in the hospital. Um, and yeah, it just, I remember uh, I was reading a New York, I think it was the New York Times article. It was um, a couple of years ago and um, I was still in Aladdin at the time and we were talking, the girls and I were talking about it in the dressing room. Um, and it was a, a story specifically around this woman who um, she had given birth to her son and she'd gone home and something wasn't really feeling right with her. And she said she was, she just kept going, she kept going back to her OB basically and expressing that something wasn't right. She didn't feel right. Um, And her doctor kept saying, you're postpartum, it's fine. And she ended up dying. She died. Like, I think her son was maybe like three or four weeks old. Um, And she, it was because she had had this crazy high blood pressure and she was experiencing symptoms of high blood pressure and wasn't being listened to. And she ended up dying because of it. And it's happened time and time again, even over, over this past year, we've seen um, black women passing away from giving birth to their children. And it just, to think about this moment, right? Like I'm holding my son in my arms and it's the most incredible moment ever. And to think that there are some women who have never get to see that moment because of, of systemic racism and because they're not being heard and they're not being listened to. And it's just, I think really the only solution and the only thing that we can do to help start moving forward with this is not just trying to address it specifically with the communities that are already existing with, you know, white doctors, but also encouraging and expanding the knowledge about midwives and doulas and encouraging those people 
of color, those midwives of color and those doulas of color and those OBGYNs of color to step forward and to really be loud about other options for specifically black women. Um, and for me, that that took a lot of research. And I that's part of the reason why I felt like I want to share my birth story a lot, because it was a positive one that I was able to have at home with two beautiful women of color that helped me usher my son into the world. And I, I think that a lot of black women don't always know about their options and don't know that they don't necessarily have to go that route if they don't feel comfortable with it. Um, and that you can fire your OBGYN at any point. You can fire your OBGYN in the middle of labor if you want to, um, if you're not being listened to, if you're not being heard, and that you have rights and to advocate for yourself in the midst of the hospital system, which I think is always a hard thing for women in general to know that in that vulnerable space of giving birth, that you still have rights um, and that you deserve to be listened to no matter what. Um, even though you aren't a medical professional, nobody knows your body better than you. Um, and so I think that in this particular moment of, of this grand reckoning, reckoning, I think that mothers have to be incorporated into this moment as well. And knowing that this is not necessarily just a moment of like, a blaring racist, like somebody, you know, calls you a name or something. This is a, such a deeper moment than that. And that it really requires like very intense um, focus because those numbers are out of this world and they, it should not be that way at all. And it's not because black women can't birth in the same way that white women can. We all can do that in the same way. So there's no reason why we should be dying at a higher rate than anybody else outside of the pressures that, are put on us as black women in this country specifically. Um, and so I feel really passionately about that. And I feel like because I am a black woman who's had an amazing birth experience and thankfully I've been able to come out on the other side really healthy, I feel like it's part of my duty to be really loud about this and to be really loud about my experience um, so that other black women can see a positive birth story and to feel affirmed and moving forward with having children and to not feel afraid of it because I felt really afraid for a long time when I saw those numbers and I felt really crippled by those numbers because what do you do, you know? Um, and so it feels really great to be on the other side of it and to feel like I can incorporate a voice of positive birth stories for black women. I, I, it's just, I mean, those numbers are so shocking and actually what you were yeah. Talking about your birth story, I kept thinking to myself, and this is going to highlight my privilege in this moment, but I kept thinking about how scared I would have would have been in that position and how mm -hmm. I would have turned to doctors for help, but I mm -hmm. haven't had the experience of not being listened to. So a person of color might not feel that that is the answer to their fear you know, doesn't have the ability to turn to somebody who's not, who is not going to listen to them and who isn't going to let them advocate for themselves. I mean, it, it, I, it, I can't even imagine what that feels like truthfully. Um, mm -hmm. so I think it's incredible that you are putting your story out there and, and letting people know their rights. Like you said, there, there's no physiological difference between, how a black woman births and how a white woman births, you know, there's not mm -hmm. a, a, a health reason why all these women should be dying. And no, mm -hmm. absolutely not. I mean, and women have been giving birth for eons and eons and eons. Like we all know mm -hmm. our bodies know how to do it. You know, it's, it's something mm -hmm. like you said, you got to that ring of fire or you kept hearing yourself saying surrender and release because your body could take over. Like you're intellectually, mm -hmm. you could separate yourself out because physiologically your body knows what it has to do to get that baby out. Cause no baby ever stays in mm -hmm. forever. You know, they're not going to no, stay there don't. one as way much or as you another. Try to resist. Yeah. Yeah. It's the baby's going to come out. out. And mm -hmm. so if we, you know, the fact yeah. um, that those numbers, I was just appalled as well. Like you, you use that word and that's, it's fabulous. It, that's exactly it. It's like, it's, when I read that last night about 12 times, I gasped. And then I turned to my husband, you know, and I was like, listen to this statistic. This is awful. Um, and I think yeah. that, uh, like you said, it's not just about racism on the street and, and blatant racism. It is about the systemic 
racism that is so ingrained in our society and in our institutions. Institutions. And, yeah. And, and that, um, the awareness is so key. And so we're so, thank you, Corey, for coming. I mean, I just, we're so grateful that you, sh- first off, that you found a way to even get on this podcast five weeks in and make it happen. <laughs> like the fact that you could even wrap your brain around it is just amazing because five weeks. Look, that's- my brain is still short circuiting. <laughs> <laughs> you certainly didn't sound there. that way. You were so, you're so eloquent. I mean, I couldn't string together well, a sentence you. when I was five weeks postpartum. So yeah, you're doing no, great. Nailing it. And thank I just, and, and it means so much that you chose to share that with us. And, and we really do because we want to highlight all stories and, and, We've had, like we said, a couple home births, but no one had really delved into it and gone into it. And specifically with your journey as a black woman having a home birth. And, um, and I just, I'm so glad that you chose to share with us and be here. And this is where the work is, right? This is where it begins is just spreading awareness, telling the stories, making sure that everyone has the information they need to, in order to make the decision that's best for them. Totally. And totally. then advocating 100%. and pushing for change. Yes. That's the next step, yes. right? <laughs> yes, 100%. Yeah. And all of us were in yeah. this, you know, mothers, mothers are all connected. You can be black, yeah. white, indigenous, Asian, all, all types, Hispanic, like, but mothers, there is a common thread there. And you know what mm-hmm. it feels like to give birth, to have this child, to be connected to a human other than yourself. And to realize, yep. you know, the higher cause of what we do and, and the need for other women to be able to take the journey as well and not have theirs yep. cut yep. so horribly short. So thank Absolutely. you. Thank, thank you, you so Corey. Much, Corey. Oh my gosh. I, oh, thank you so much. This was so awesome to talk to you guys. It's always, I think for me, that's the thing that's been really helpful in this early stage is to be able to talk with other moms in, in any way. It's been so therapeutic for me. So thank you so much for having me too. Awesome. Oh, be well. And I, I can't know, wait I can't to see, like, see a little carpet. Follow the journey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Follow the journey <laughs> on Instagram. <gasps> Yeah, <laughs> he heard his name. He's like, "What?" I'm waking up. Oh my gosh! Yeah, well, I hope you a- guys talking about me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, have a good day and smell that head Thank like a you lot too. I know. <laughs> if someone could I bottle know. that smell, man, they'd make a fortune. I know they would. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Mama's Talkin' Loud. Special shout-outs to Rachel Spencer-Hewitt for our fabulous graphic, Kristen Anderson-Lopez, Bobby Lopez, and Justin Ward-Weber for our awesome theme song, our producers Dory Berenstein, Alan Seals, and of course, the Broadway Podcast Network for bringing us to you. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.